0: You ever had one of those moments where you realize that you are becoming your parents do <coughs> you know what i'm saying there's a few nods you know what i'm talking about don't you i i remember i remember i'm 16 years old and i'm sitting in my parents car for my first driving lesson with my dad he's in the passenger seat i'm in the driver's seat and i'm keen like let's get this thing going and dad says before we start the car son i need to tell you that a car is a lethal weapon and he starts his long speech about how in you know in the hands of the wrong people and how if not used in the right way a, a car can kill you and it can kill other people this thing is deadly dangerous and I remember sitting here and thinking dad this is a little bit of an over exaggeration <laughs> like you know I think you're, you're just you're being a little bit serious about this let's just drive the car right no one's going to die it's going to be all right Fast forward 30 years, and I'm in the passenger seat. (laughs) My daughter's in the driver's seat, and we're about to drive. And all of a sudden, these words are coming out of my mouth. (laughs) Beck, before we go anywhere, I need to tell you. And the next thing that came out of my mouth, all of a sudden, I'm using the lethal weapon speech (laughs) with my own kids. And, And I... I'm partway through the speech and I'm now committed and so I have to keep going with it, but there's another little part of my brain that's like, Matt, what the heck are you doing? (laughs) You've become the very thing that, you know, like the very thing that I sat there going, don't do this. Whatever you do, don't do that to your kids. And they're like, I'm right there. I'm in deep. I'm becoming my father. And I want to say publicly, my dad's a good guy. and becoming my father's not a bad thing. But isn't it amazing how you can kind of start with something in mind, but well, you sort of drift, you know, and before you know it, you're somewhere where you didn't really intend to be. As a church, we're journeying through the book of Galatians in our Bibles. Um, and I want to say, as I say each week, if you haven't caught up or if you're here and you haven't heard the rest of the series, um, catch up on the series, uh, YouTube and podcasts, uh, Apple and, and Spotify, um, particularly the first uh, the first message in this series, we talk about kind of the background and the outline, listening at least to that first message will really help you understand what's going to go on today and in the rest of the series. But as a bit of a summary for those who haven't been with us right throughout the series, um We start off saying that Galatians, we call it like the book of Galatians, but Galatians isn't a book, it's a letter. Um, It's a letter that Paul wrote around 49 AD. He wrote it to a group of churches in an area called Galatia. The people who lived there were called Galatians. Um, It's an area in what is Turkey now, like find an atlas and look at Turkey. And that's kind of where this is all going down. And Paul had visited Galatia uh, one to two years before. He'd shared the amazing news of Jesus. A bunch of people believed and he sort of organized those people into little churches, just little house churches, uh, really little groups of people who were then living out their faith. And Paul left there and went on and, and continued doing ministry elsewhere and a year or two later, he hears on the grapevine, he hears on the grapevine that other people have visited the churches after him, and they've started teaching other stuff. They're, they're telling these churches, they're telling these, these little groups of believers other things about faith, and particularly other things about Jesus. And Paul's really mad. The thing that got him angry the most was that what these other people were teaching the Galatians was that if you want to become a Christian, if you want to be right with God, then you've got to become a Jew first. And so they were saying to the church, yeah, you can keep believing this stuff about Jesus, but you've also got to believe all of these ancient Jewish religions uh, rituals rather and customs and behaviors you've got to follow all these Jewish laws you've got to celebrate all these particular uh, holidays and festivals you've got to go and get circumcised you've got to do all of these things that good Jews do you've got to do that and Paul is mad and what we read in Galatians is the letter that he writes back to these churches in Galatia, to sort of straighten them out, to refocus them on what he believes is the true message of Christianity, what he believes is the truth about Jesus. And we said this each week, that that, that letter he wrote had so much good stuff in it that it got copied and shared You couldn't kind of scan it and email it, but people (laughs) literally got the letter and hand-wrote it word for word and then they took a copy to their church and it got spread to other churches and other churches and over the years that letter went viral. And in 393 AD, when when the leaders of the church, more than 300 years after all this, when the leaders of the church gathered together to draw together all these ancient Christian writings into what we now kind of call the New Testament and the Bible, including Paul's letter to the Galatians, was a must. But that's all ancient history. Maybe it's interesting if you're into history, I don't know. What we're doing in this series is asking ourselves, what does that ancient letter have to do with us today? And Because like Paul's been dead for 2,000 years, Galatia doesn't exist anymore. I mean, the dirt's there, but we call it Turkey. And, you know, maybe there's some ancient ruins there, but there's no, there's no Galatia. I'm not a Galatian. You're probably not a Galatian. I'm not an ancient Jew. You're probably not an ancient Jew. So who cares what Paul wrote to a group of people in Galatia 2,000 years ago that's what this series is all about and we saw in in the first week of the series how Paul sort of sets up the letter how he introduces himself sort of restates his credentials saying look I was sent by God and you know I'm not just making this stuff up this is this is what God wanted me to say to you last week um, we saw how Paul at the very beginning in, in, in uh, Galatians chapter 1, how he jumps right into his frustrations. We read Galatians one 6 i I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you. Verse 7, evidently some people are throwing you into confusion. Verse 9, as we've already said and now we say again, if anyone, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than the one that you first accepted, let them be under God's curse. So Paul's saying, I can't believe it. I can't believe that after hearing the good news about Jesus, after responding to that good news, after finding forgiveness and life and joy and peace and hope, after getting all of that simply by believing the message of God's grace to you, that you Galatians are now being sucked into another message. You're being sucked into a message that says you've got to follow all of these traditions and rules as well. It's like, why would you do that? And so that gets us to where we're going to be today in Galatians chapter 3. So if you've got a Bible, open it up. Um, if it's on your device, go for it. Um, we've said if you're in a paper Bible, you've got the big boys' names halfway through the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and then other big books after that, Acts and Romans and 1 and 2 Corinthians. And then there's the four little books, Galatians uh, is the first of those, only five or six pages long. Right, I'm going to read to you the first part of uh, Galatians 3. There's a lot of text here and this is confusing. Don't panic, we're going to come back and, uh, and talk through this. So uh, Galatians 3, reading from verse 1. You foolish Galatians! Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was portrayed as crucified. I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, you're now trying to finish by means of the flesh. Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again, I ask you, Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who's hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. There's a lot in that. Let's, let's, let, let's go back. So, Paul's going to start this this part of his letter by repeating his main point. Verse 1 You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Christ Jesus was portrayed as crucified. He's saying, Who's bewitched you? Like, did someone come and hypnotize you? Did someone go all Harry Potter on you? Did someone sort of cast a spell on you? How was it that they got you to believe this stuff? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was portrayed as crucified. I told you as clearly as I possibly could what this was all about. That this whole faith sits on the death and the resurrection of Jesus and that's it. And now you've got sucked into believing that if you want to be right with God, if you want to have a relationship with God, if you want to be all good with God, You've got to follow a bunch of rules and traditions. He goes on in verse two. I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? It's a bit complicated, I know, but this is worth trying to understand. What Paul's going to start doing sort of from here on the rest of the letter is to give examples to back up his basic claim. That we shouldn't be following all these rules and rituals, that we should just be resting on what Jesus did on the cross, his death and his resurrection. And so he starts his first argument, if you like, to start by asking this question. He says, when you first received the Spirit, We might also say, when God first came to you, when you first said yes to Jesus, when you were first sort of saved from death to eternal life, however you want to save it, when you first received the Spirit, he said, did that moment, did that moment happen because you obeyed the law? Did that moment happen because that week you ticked all the Jewish laws? Did, Did that moment happen because you followed a particular ritual? Did that, did that happen because you're a good person that day? Did it happen because you passed a test? Did it happen because you did anything? Or did it happen because you believed that Jesus did something? Did it happen because you believed that Jesus did something in his death and his resurrection? Which was it? And of course, they all know the answer. It's like it's a rhetorical question. It's obvious, isn't it? Well, we believed. Yeah, yeah, nothing special happened on that day. We just believed what Jesus has done. So he said, so if your faith started that way, why would you think that it now needs all these extra laws and rules to continue that way? So it doesn't make any sense, does it? He says, if all you needed to get right with God in the first place was to believe what Jesus did on the cross, to believe in his resurrection, Paul calls that faith or the spirit. He says, if if that's what you needed to get right with God in the first place, why would you now believe that to stay right with God, you've now got to obey all these other laws and tick off all these other rituals and do all these other things? Paul's going to call that the law uh, or the flesh. That's what he means in verse 3 when he says, after beginning by means of the Spirit, after beginning that way, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? And Paul says that makes no sense. I mean, if you start one way, wouldn't you just want to continue in the same way? And then Paul adds another layer to the argument when he says, remember Abraham. Now, Abraham lived about 2,000 years before Paul did. And he quotes, uh, this is actually a quote from Genesis 15, chapter 6 in your Bibles. You can go look it up. Um, Paul quotes Genesis when he said, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, this next part of Galatians is a bit Bible nerdy and you really need to kind of know your Old Testament to get this. But remember, Paul is writing to Jews who knew the Old Testament right off by heart. To them, Abraham was a hero. Everyone knew Abraham. Quoting Abraham to them is like quoting Elvis to someone who likes rock and roll. Right? Thank you. (laughs) It's like quoting quoting Yoda to a Star Wars fan or Don Bradman to a cricket fan, right? They all knew who Abraham was. So you might listen and go, who's Abraham? The, The people he's writing to absolutely knew who Abraham was. And to say, now, you know that Abraham was right with God, don't you? I mean, it's like saying, did Elvis know anything about rock and roll? It's like saying, does Yoda understand the force? Does Don Bradman know how to bat? Like to them, it was totally obvious. Well, of course, Abraham was right with God. Like, he's the guy. And then Paul drops this bomb at them and says, So think about it. He said, Abraham lived 430 years before God gave Moses the law. So if Abraham got right with God 430 years before there even was a law, then surely you don't need the law to be right with God. Absolutely, it's a drop the mic. It's like, ah. Verse 9. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So he's appealing like, like to the, he's saying, you want to be Jews? He's saying, well, let's go back to the father of all Jews. Remember Father Abraham, that song, this is the guy, right? Let's go back to the guy who started it all. Right Stop singing the song, all right? Right arm, left arm. right on. Yeah, okay. But this is the Abraham, right? If you're an ancient Jew, this guy is the OG, right? He's the guy that started all of this. And Paul's saying, so if you want to take a Jewish argument, let's go to the guy who started all. Well, he didn't obey any of the laws, did he? Because there weren't even any laws. There weren't going to be any holidays. There weren't going to be any rules. None of that stuff was going to appear for another 430 years. And yet this is the guy that said, no one was more good with God than Abraham. So, how does any of that relate to me and to you? Because as I said before, I'm not a Jew. I don't know very much about these ancient Jewish customs, maybe neither do you. I really don't know the first thing about Abraham. And so, this kind of all seems a little confusing, doesn't it? Like, what's this got to do with me? Here's the thing. We might not follow ancient Jewish customs. We might not know the details of Abraham's life. But 2,000 years later, we can still do just the same things with our faith, just the same things with God that the Galatians were doing. It's so easy for us to start off one way And then to drift into a relationship, to kind of drift into a way of seeing God that is different, that is about keeping a whole bunch of rules. And if you're a Christian here this morning, if you're someone who says, yeah, I follow God, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Somewhere in your life, there was a moment when you realized for the first time that God loved you. Somewhere in your life there was a moment when you realised that God knew you, he cared about you and he loved you. Not because of anything you'd done, but simply because he created you and you were his. And even though your life was far from perfect, it dawned on you that God loved you enough to die for you anyway. That God loved you enough to die so that you didn't have to. And you had a moment where you realized that even though you were a mess, that even though your life was not what you wanted and certainly not what God wanted, that Jesus loved you and died for you anyway. And somewhere in your life, there was a day or a season when you started to believe that. When you accepted that, when you, when you said in whatever way it worked out for you, when you said, thank you, God. And when as a result of that, you decided to turn your life around and stop going your own way and to start going his way. And that was awesome, wasn't it? Some of us can remember a day and a date. April the 18th, 1987 for me. Some of us, it's a season. It's just kind of, I remember that time in my life. But then as time goes on, your life starts to change. You start to move away from some of the destructive habits and some of the negative things that you do in your life and you start to follow God's ways more. Your language starts to change. You start to control the way that you drink. You start to watch less porn. You start to become less selfish and more generous with your money. Your mind and your heart toward other people and sometimes toward yourself starts to change. Your life starts to become controlled more and more by the things of God. You feel like Paul felt when he wrote in Galatians 2.20, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You start to feel like your life was starting to be sort of taken over by the Spirit of God. And it's a good thing. It's an awesome thing. But then something shifts. It's it's small, but it's really important. Something shifts and, and you can start to think that God loves you because you control your drinking. You start to believe that God loves you because you watch less porn than you used to. You start to believe that God loves you because of how much money you donate to your church or you donate to charity. You start to believe that God loves you because of the way your mind and your heart has changed toward him. And then you can start projecting that onto other people. You don't say it out loud, but you start to look at other people and you think, well, God must love me more than him. Because I know he swears more than me. And I know that that God doesn't think she's too good because she's really selfish with her money. And I know that God must be shaking his head at that guy because I'm sure that he still watches porn late at night. That's exactly what was happening in the Galatian church. It's exactly what Paul got fired up about. You might not understand much about Abraham. You might not know much about ancient Jewish laws and religious and customs. But if you're a Christian, I want you to hear what Paul is trying to say to you. Paul is trying to say to you, I want you to stick to the message that I gave you in the first place. I want you to stick to the faith that got you into this thing in the first place. Because God doesn't love you because of any of that stuff. All that stuff's really good. It's great the way your life's changing. But don't fall into the trick of thinking that that's why God loves you. Remember, God loved you. Before you changed anything, before you even wanted to change anything, God loved you. Paul wrote a letter to the Romans and he wrote it this way. He said, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While I was a mess, but before I even thought about changing anything about me, that's the moment that God loved for me and reached out for me in his love in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. You didn't get right with God because of anything you did. You got right with God because you believed a promise. You got right with God because you accepted his forgiveness, because you accepted what he did for you on the cross. God loved you and died for you before you did anything and that hasn't changed. So why would you now live like God's going to love you more because you keep some rules? Or because you're a nice person? Or because you give away this much money? Or because you do this or don't do that? That's the important message that Paul's trying to speak to some of us this morning. But I also want to speak to some of us who haven't yet made that decision. Because I know that when I said a few moments ago, somewhere in your life, you realize that God loved you. Not because of anything you've done, but because you are his. There are probably some people sitting here who go, you wouldn't want to say this out loud, but are thinking to themselves, I'm not sure I really understand that yet. I mean, I understand the words, but I'm not sure I really get that. I'm not sure I really believe that. When I said that you had a moment when you realized that even though you're a mess, that Jesus died for you, that some of you are thinking, well, truth is I'm probably still a mess. And I'm not sure Jesus would want to die for me anytime. And I want to say, if that's you this morning, welcome to the club. I mean it. Welcome to the club. There isn't a person in this place that hasn't doubted that God would want to love them. There isn't a person in this place who hasn't been, I mean, we all have our own unique stories, but hasn't been kind of somewhere where you are at some point in their life. And if any of that feels true to you, then I believe Paul's message from Galatians for you today is to say, you know what? I don't want you to be confused. If you've ever heard Christians say things that make you feel like you have to get yourself together before God will love you, don't be discouraged. If Christians or if churches anywhere have ever made you feel like God wouldn't like people like you, I think Paul would say, "If that's you at all, if you if you've ever heard that from Christians or from Christian churches." Don't listen to them. They're just a little confused. It happens, right? They've they've just got themselves a little mixed up. Don't listen to that story about Jesus. And Paul would remind you that the good news of Jesus is that there's a God who loves you. There's a God who created you and loves you no matter what you're doing, no matter what you've done. There's a God who is absolutely heartbroken that your sin separates you from him and that he will do whatever it takes to bring you back to him. God is like a desperate dad looking for a lost child in a shopping center. You know, just running everywhere, screaming your name, just desperate to find you and to hold you. And when nothing else was working, God sent his own son to die so that you wouldn't have to. The God sacrificed himself, gave himself over to death so that he could take on all the mess and all the junk and all the pain and all the hurt that sits on your life. That, that Jesus would become kind of like a sponge for that. And it would get sucked into him on the cross and in his death. And then somehow, an amazing way that we still can't quite get our heads around, Jesus beat death. And when he rose again, he overcame death. And in so doing, he also overcame all of that sin and mess and hurt and pain that kind of drags you away from him. And Paul would say, that's the good news of Jesus. And none of that relies on you keeping any rules or any laws or observing any holidays. And don't listen to anyone who tells you that it does. So whether you're a Christian already or whether you're still kind of early in the journey and checking this out, I believe Paul's ancient letter has something to say to us today. Reminding us that God loved us before we became nice people. That God loved us before we became good people. That God loved us before we started doing all of those things, you know, before we got on our U version Bible streak, God still loved us. And Paul's letter warns us not to get sucked into the idea that God loves good people and nice people and that you've got to be a good and a nice rule obeying person before God will have a second look at you. That's the reason that this letter from the Galatians is so valuable to us today. My hope is that this message, that this letter of Galatians isn't just information for us that it's not just learning about something that this becomes transformation for us that it's not just something that happens in our minds and we go well that's interesting I've learned something but it's something that happens in our hearts